Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Well, the preseason of college basketball is uh, really intriguing to me this year. There's some new things going on, and one of them is happening on Friday. It's the Legends of Basketball Charity Classic, Gonzaga in Tennessee, in Frisco, Texas. Uh, this game will uh, tip off at 6 o'clock Pacific time, but it's going to be really interesting. This game will benefit charity, and you can get it on pay-per-view. Here to talk about it, Mark Few, Gonzaga coach. Uh, coach, how do you, you know, why is this important to you to, to try something new and have it help some people? Uh, I just, first of all, John, thanks for having me on and uh, enjoyed uh, listening to your stuff over the years. And, and in fact, really, 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 I hate to go off topic here, but uh in, Really enjoyed you guys' conversation uh, with uh, the SEC commissioner. I mean, I, he's uh, he's just done such an uh, amazing job, and I, and I thought you guys asked some really poignant questions and good questions, and uh, thought it was really interesting at this time in, in uh, college athletics. Uh, but in regards to the game, you know, I think you, it's time to start thinking in different ways and, and, you know, what we can do to not only enhance our sport but also – you know, capitalize on some opportunities to, to, to help charities and, and other things, and then also kind of give our guys more branding opportunities for, uh, you know, all the NIL landscape that's out there. It's interesting because a lot of times people kind of dismiss the preseason. I think this gives people an opportunity to go, look, you're, you're helping charity, uh, good things are happening, get an early look at the team, gives you guys a chance to, to break a sweat and kind of see what you have on the court. The game's changing a lot, and, you know, your job's probably changing a lot. Oh, no question. I mean, no question in this last six months to a year. I mean, we've just seen massive uh, overhaul. And I think, you know, you can do one of two things. You can stick your head in the sand and, and complain and, and talk about the good old days, or you can can adapt and, as, as best you can. And I think this is kind of an example of that. Like, look, um, these forever, we've done these, John, closed-door scrimmages this time of year, which are great. You know, you go in, and Rick Barnes and I always did it when he was at Texas. We've done it with Baylor. We've done it with Michigan State. Basically, scrimmage, no media, no fans, no nothing. And, you know, everybody's curious about what's going on and, and what happened. And, uh, you know, we just got to the point where it's like, well, I think this would be fun for everybody to kind of get a look at these and and, and watch these. And, and both our teams are veteran laden and you know at this point they want to play somebody and they want to have something to play for and and kind of need a little juice to the game instead of just going behind closed doors so i think it's it's a great opportunity to see two preseason top 10 or top five teams kind of kind of go at it and 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 then we get we have a lot to learn from it right i mean that's this is as good as it gets from a coaching standpoint to get your guys out there going against a team like that you learn a lot about your guys in practice but what do you get in a in a game like this that you can't get in practice you just get well first of all you know hopefully the other other team doesn't know your every move and every set and everything you do like the guys you're going against in practice but you know you you get to see how your guys are going to react to you know the highest level athlete these are sec athletes um 
Tennessee was arguably the best or one of the top two or three best defenses in the country uh, last year. And so you get really get to measure yourself against that uh, caliber of uh, competition. You also get to see how your guys are going to react under the lights, you know, because it's, it's a lot different at 7 o'clock than it is at 3 o'clock. How do you feel about this team? You, 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 year in and year out, I'm sure you have different challenges every offseason. You kind of evaluate what you have. How are you feeling right now about these guys? Uh, you know, that's funny. Everybody asks me that. My wife asks me that. All my buddies <laughs> ask me that. It's kind of relative, right, when you right. have the expectations that you have at Gonzaga now. Um, and I think now as I get into my late uh, 50s that you kind of can become introspective a little bit. And I would say one of my – weaknesses would be I have a hard time letting go of my previous team. <laughs> so this, I'm constantly comparing guys to Nemhart and you know what we were able to do with Chet and what last year's team and the year before was just comparing them to Kispert and you know Ayayi and Suggs and that great group. So um, this is a different team. We got some some young guys that logged some minutes last year in supportive roles that now we need to really lean on. Uh, and usually at Gonzaga, those guys step up the next year and end up having uh, uh, wonderful years. Uh, we still have Drew Timmy, and when you have, you know, the best basketball player in college coming back, uh, that's a really good thing. We have some we have some experience, some guys that have logged a lot of minutes. Um, and so I think just kind of getting those pieces together, especially in the backcourt, is probably – you know, I think what we're all interested to see how that's going to work. I was sitting courtside last year when you were in Portland for that opening round, and Larry Brown's pulled into the chair next to me on press row, and I I know Herb a little bit, his brother, and Larry Larry yeah. was Larry is watching you guys, and he said, you know, he said Timmy's his favorite player, he, he, as a as a guy, who, really? yeah, as a guy <laughs> who who coaches and has coached for so long. Like, are you do you allow yourself to enjoy? your own players in that way or do you have to constantly look for ways that you have to improve them or how you can help the team around them you know uh you know sort of gel to what they're doing oh john I, you can do both you you can do both i absolutely unequivocally enjoy uh um yeah most every minute i have with drew he's a he's a joy he's a, he's he's just a character as i think everybody's figured out it's bigger than life he's uh, but yet he's a ferocious competitor. I don't know if people understand that. I mean, he just hates to lose. He's got incredible amount of confidence, which kind of becomes uh, contagious around the other guys. And and, uh, uh, and he's really, really smart. He's an extremely smart, intuitive basketball uh, uh, player. But, man, I mean, the kid loves college and, and is what college is all about. And it's hard not to smile. You know, at one once or ten times or fifteen times during a practice when he's out there, or some of the things he says and does. We've talked a little bit about you know this game that is going on uh, on Friday, Legends of Basketball Charity Classic. Again, if you're just tuning in. Uh, you can get it on pay per view. You can see Gonzaga and Tennessee play uh, what will be a great preseason uh, matchup. But you have also signed on for a series with Kentucky. I saw this six year deal, two games in Spokane, two in Rupp Arena, two at neutral sites. Uh, ultimate show of respect, I think, from Kentucky basketball, saying, "Hey, we're going to come to Spokane and play some games." What did that mean to you? Uh, well, Cal and I have been really have been very, very good friends, and we're always trying to, you know, in fact, kind of this exhibition idea was originally something that we came up with uh, 
that he uh, they, they couldn't quite pull off. So uh, luckily, uh, Rick was game for it. Um, so so we're always trying to to kind of keep up with you know what what's happening in the world around us. And and I think you know we got to the point instead of just man you know football is different. They have like game scheduled ten years out. You know, and it's, yeah. we're, we're we're scrambling around in September of this year, filling our schedule. And I think we got to the point like, okay, look, this is a game that college basketball really wants to see, will always want to see. It'll be something that, you know, people can kind of earmark every year when it's a Kentucky-Gonzaga game. TV, you know, basically said that and, and bought into, uh, you know, to our what we were doing. And, and uh, I, I, it's actually you can sell it to recruits. They can. We can. Um so there's just really no downside to it, uh, quite frankly. You mentioned you listen listen to the podcast with John Wilner and I. Where are you listening to podcasts? <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> that was I listened to that. Was that on? Uh, Were you on a plane? Yeah. Or doing a run like no, Sankey? No, no. You know? <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? I think I, it, it uh, somebody had earmarked it that I was scrolling through on maybe Twitter or something. Mm, okay, as being really really interesting and and and. Full disclosure, uh, Greg Sankey and I have been working together uh, for quite a while on this NIL reform. Uh, trying, um, I went back and testified in Congress about a year and a half ago in regards to it, and so I, I, I just think he's—I think he's a great leader. I think he's incredibly smart, but yet he's a great listener, and he—he, uh, um, he, I mean, he's just on top of so so many of these things that's going on. So I was fascinated to. You know, to hear the questions you guys have yeah. for him, especially with all this expansion and everything going on, and and uh, uh, it was just really good. I think it, it was earmarked by somebody else as being really, really good to we should listen to. So I jumped all over. We're gonna have to get you on as a guest at some point. I mentioned to Wilner you were coming on my show, and he goes, "We got to get him on." So we'll we'll hit you back up maybe. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, later I read the... his stuff too. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy reading his stuff too. Let me ask so. you. You know, what do you make of? kind of the landscape you know you're involved in this stuff you think of it all the realignment that's going on the ecosystem i'm worried about college athletics well i mean i I think there there's a lot of stuff to kind of give you pause for concern and and um but but i think you know if you think about it we've always just done stuff because that's the way we've always done it right it's just always been uh, you know, well, you're in this league and you're in that league, and you guys stay in your region, you stay in that region. I, I've always said, and maybe people say this is because I'm at Gonzaga, but I'm just like, I have no idea why we don't have leagues, you know, or different for every sport, you know, because there's just such a, I mean, the baseball teams down in Southern California are so good, they probably don't belong in some of those leagues. They should probably be in the highest league out there. And obviously, the hockey teams have kind of done their thing. and and soccer and women's basketball is obviously different than the hierarchy in men's basketball and same with you know bas- men's basketball is different than football and i just just makes more sense to kind of have groupings uh kind of like that uh I, but you know we've always just done this traditional you know regional kind of groupings and and we've been able to kind of thrive uh, with that setup, but I, I just think you can always look at things with kind of a fresh, open mind. I think uh, Greg talked about that on your podcast. Mm-hmm. You don't have to change; you can just look at things and try to see if it needs change, and hopefully make the right uh, call. But I would say this, man: that you know these athletic departments are under siege right now with 
you know, they got Title IX, everybody bearing down on them, and a lot of non-revenue sports wanting more and more and more stuff, uh, you know, even though they don't generate any revenue. And then now we got the players, you know, there's a real movement amongst the players, which I'm totally in favor of, of being able to capitalize on what they bring to the table. And so um, I think that's what's kind of, you know, jump-starting all this change that we're starting to see. I, I think the NIL stuff, you know, you, in theory, yes, you want kids to be able to benefit, but we don't right. want to open the floodgate for, you know, boosters buying players. How do you navigate that? Uh, and you nailed it. And, and, and this is what I, I say this all the time because there's well-intentioned people that get involved in our sport and our business, but they're misinformed. And you can't just open the floodgate or else it just literally turns into just flat, just paying guys to come to your school. That's not what this is supposed to be all about. We were fortunate last year, John, I thought, to have two of the best examples. And actually even uh, Cal did at, uh, at Kentucky with the Shebway. Of pure, I mean, those uh, – Oscar, Chet, and Drew were probably the three highest NIL, uh, or they pro- not probably were in, in, in basketball last year. And uh, it was all based on their name, image, and likeness. It was not anybody just giving them money to come to Gonzaga or to Kentucky or, you know, uh, either of those two schools. It was based on their name, image, likeness. They were actually endorsing products like Shave Club for Men for Drew and and. Uh, <laughs> You know, how yeah. perfect is that, right? right. <laughs> and, and and he should be able to, to to make money off that, especially if it moves some products. So I, I just – and, you know, and then you talk about being able to do camps, you know, if you're a volleyball player or a baseball player or something like that. And those are great ideas. But as with anything, if you give, you know, a, a, a open the door, open a crack, man, and you don't have tight reins on it, people just go busting through. So some of these things that are out there are a little – need to get kind of reined back in if we can. Yeah, I've heard stories, too, about athletic directors who call each other and say, hey, I need you to call your collective and tell them to stand down. They shouldn't be talking to guys on our rosters. Like, in the ADs, we're not aware yeah. that the booster groups were, were trying to get involved. I mean, I just think it's so many complications. It's not what it's supposed to be. No, and, and same with the transfer deal, right? Like, I mean, you can't even, tra- you know, you can't go school to school in high school, you know, without some some hard, fast rules, and I'm in favor of maybe one transfer. And I think where we really screwed up was when, you know, coaches leave for other jobs. There should be a window where those players can transfer and, and, and do whatever they want. But to just open it up and to be able to leave, and so every year, you know, that's not – you can't do that in the NBA. You can't do it in major leagues. You can't do it in high school. I mean, heck, some of these AAU tournaments have rules about that. <laughs> And yet, uh, and and so, combine that that kind of freedom where you can do all that with the collective now, and so you're forcing these kids. Here's here's what I've heard that has happened a lot now is where everybody goes in the transfer portal to to basically gauge their how much they're worth, and then they come back to their original school and say, hey, so and so offered me this, you know, either I mean I either get this or I'm out the door, and it's just like. You know that, that that's just not a good scenario. Yeah. That's free agency. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> yeah. That's not the portal. But at least like the, at least the pros know when their people are becoming free agents. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can point at three years from now or two years or whatever. 
Yeah, and in the pros, they can right. cut you, right? Like, you know, if, yeah. if you're not producing, they can cut you. And in college, you know, you, you you do that with the kids on that's on scholarship, and everybody looks at you like you're horrible. So, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's not a yeah. uh, it's not a good system. Um, you know, again, you're playing this game. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's new. I th- I'm curious to see how it does. It it benefits yeah. the McLendon Foundation for people who don't know. Uh, that Hall of Fame coach John McLendon, who was a pioneer in athletics and basketball and civil rights. Um, Benefits his foundation. It's Gonzaga in Tennessee. Tomorrow you can get it on ppv.com, uh, DirecTV, Xfinity, wherever you uh, wherever you uh, subscribe. That's where you can find this game. Uh, before I le- let you go, you got me thinking about something. Um, Pac-12 yeah. Commissioner George Klyovkov yesterday said, you know, they'll evaluate expansion. Nobody's, everybody's thinking football. Is it is it beyond? wild to think like if the Pac-12 approached Gonzaga you know is that a conversation that you would entertain or maybe Gonzaga would entertain or you know does that strike you as interesting or you know outside the box as we talk about sports you know not being in the old system oh absolutely look look we've you know through this whole run we positioned ourselves really really well and and Look, those conversations have been in the mix with all these conferences, quite frankly, <laughs> and everybody's kind of jostling around, seeing where they're doing. I think what you're seeing is the first run is at football, and then the next run you'll see will be for, you know, programs in the basketball realm that can move the needle and 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 you know, can can actually generate. TV revenue can generate, you know, eyeballs have a brand, and uh, and then and also the the difference in basketball then is, you know, shares in the NCAA tournament, the, mm-hmm. the money that they bring in and shares from that. And I think we're number one over the last five years in that. So, uh, yeah, the, all those stuff for it's definitely happening across all realms for us, and we just need to look and and kind of make a really solid, prudent uh, uh, decision, and also look at. So far, what we've been doing has been working uh, pretty good also, but the yeah. landscape is changing, and we're very aware of that. What kinds of things matter to you? Like if you know, if it's just you, and I know it's not just you, there's a whole athletic department and whatnot, but if it's just you, like what matters to Gonzaga basketball when you talk about you know, a possible affiliation with the Pac-12 or SEC or somebody? Uh, great, great question. The, the, the thing with me, and I think one of the things I'm most proud about what our guys have been able to accomplish up here is We've stayed nationally relevant through this, you know, entire run, and and teams kind of go up and down, they disappear, and some pop up and have a good run or whatever. Um, we've been able to stay nationally relevant, you know, I mean, for sure this last ten to twelve years. And uh, the most important thing is, can we continue to do that? Can we continue to expand? Our brand and and also you know does it does it help us does it help you know does it help us attract a better level of player you know in recruiting and and uh, put us in position to get to a, to a final four and win a national championship that's the biggest thing uh, uh, for me. Mark Few, I appreciate you. Thanks for what you're doing with the game and with this tournament and this game on Friday. Uh, wish you the best, and we'll definitely get you on the podcast. I'd love to have you on and pick your brain about college sports and take a deeper dive on it. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd really enjoy that. And uh, in closing, this is just an insider uh, trading joke. You had Kilkenny and I nailed about 10 years ago. <laughs>
So, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's, the, that's, the, that's the, what they call that in the transition or loss leader for the next episode. Or whatever, so. Yeah, we'll talk about that in another ahead, episode. Cool. Yes. Mark, yeah. you, thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, you got it. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, well, well. I'll give you the backstory on what he just mentioned coming up next. This is interesting. If you want to know how the sausage is made in college basketball, stay tuned. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Good stuff with Mark Few, the Gonzaga coach. Steven, did you catch the end of the interview there? I did, yeah. All right, so he... Uh, he waits until we're about to say goodbye to drop in a little insider trading inside, inside info. And uh, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Um, look, I've been in the state of Oregon since 2002 covering sports as a columnist. And uh, for the last 17 years, I've been doing this radio show plus writing columns. I'm now writing at johnconzano.com. If you want to read me, that's where you read me exclusively now. Get a free subscription, get a paid subscription, whatever works for you works for me. That's what I always say. But I give you that context because uh, what Mark Few is referring to is a column that I wrote late in the Ernie Kent era of Oregon basketball. And in fact, on two or three occasions, I've written about Pat Kilkenny, the former athletic director and booster at Oregon, who tried to hire Mark Few a couple of times. Now, People may believe that Few was part of the 39-day coaching search that resulted in Dana Altman. I think there was some of that out there. Not true. Um, Oregon had interviewed uh, and uh, potentially offered the job to a number of people, including Tom Izzo and Jamie Dixon, and before they uh, finally found Dana Altman. And uh, But prior to that, on two occasions, uh, I think it was a y- the year before... Ernie Kent was terminated by Oregon, uh, Oregon tried to hire Mark Few, and I started writing about it. And uh, people said, no, 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 it, it's not true. You're just trying to cause problems for Ernie Kent. Uh, you're just making this up, Oregon fans. Uh, and Mark Few was essentially there confirming that uh, when Pat Kilkenny was the athletic director at Oregon, and uh, he's very close with Mark Few, uh, that he attempted to hire few. In fact, I think he offered him the job twice. This is much like the whole Justin Wilcox conversation that, you know, I reported that, you know, the, the Ducks had offered the job to Justin Wilcox uh, prior to offering it to Dan Lanning. Oregon fans are now in, you know, in denial at the moment, like, no, we didn't, no, we I'm like, why would I just throw that out there? I'm not going to report something that I don't know to be absolutely true. Like, when Oregon was searching for the replacement for Mark Helfrich, I had that coaching search nailed down. And coaching searches are hard. You have to be sourced, and you have to be sourced years in advance of this stuff happening in order to do a coaching search right if you are a journalist. So it when, when Oregon is looking to hire the replacement for Mark Helfrich, I knew, where, I knew where Rob Mullins was. He probably didn't like it. I knew who he was talking to. He probably didn't like it. But that's me doing my job. And I knew that he had interviewed Brian Harson. I knew that he had uh, interviewed uh, also Kevin Sumlin at some point. I knew that he had 
you know, PJ Fleck wanted to be interviewed, like desperately was trying to get in on the interview, but couldn't get an interview. You know, people, national people reported that the Ducks had interviewed PJ Fleck. That was not true. They never interviewed him, never talked to him in person, never granted him an interview. Um, they viewed PJ Fleck as uh, all sizzle and no steak. That was the quote I got uh, from inside the inner sanctum at Oregon. Uh, but I, So I knew where they were going, and I knew when Oregon was fatigued with Ernie Kent, you know, he had kind of gone to the Elite Eight, he'd taken them where they wanted to go. Um, it just made a lot of sense that uh, a kid who's from the state of Oregon, Mark Few, would be a candidate. And so I reported that, and, of course, a lot of Oregon fans were like, no, you know, the message boards light up, and I don't think Twitter was as big a thing back then, but it would have been bad. But the truth is, like, Mark Few's just telling you, yes, he was offered the job. I was right uh, with Pat Kilkenny, the athletic director, offering him the job back in the day. And, you know, it's probably it's an inside trader m moment there from Mark Few because uh, in his heart of hearts, I think there was part of him that probably wanted to come home and wanted maybe to be the coach at Oregon one day. But, you know, he's got, he got an empire at Gonzaga, and he was smart to stay at Gonzaga where, you know, if you think about the WCC, I talked to Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the WCC today, and you know I told her, look, I'm going to write about Mark Few and the comments he made about potentially, you know, talking to other conferences and, you know, sort of, you know, posturing like, look, it does make sense. Like, there's some logic in what he's saying, in that you have great baseball schools, you have great basketball schools, you have great women's basketball schools, you have great soccer schools. You have great football schools, you know, and sometimes they're not, they're often not one and the same. Like, you know, it, you look around and you go, gosh, you take some of the baseball programs inside, you know, Pepperdine and you take a uh, Cal State Fullerton and gosh, you could put them against anybody in the country. And you take Oregon State's baseball program and you say, gosh, you could put them against the best SEC teams and the best teams from anywhere and, you know, they could hold their own. And I kind of wonder if the future of college athletics is sort of this division where all of the football teams, like the 60 to 75 best football teams, are all playing in one conference. And then the 60 to 75 best basketball teams are in one conference, and soccer teams and baseball teams. And regardless of affiliation, your university gets money from whatever conference they play in. Because it is kind of an archaic thought that, hey, you belong to this conference and these are the only teams you play are within your conference anymore. And I think if you're Gonzaga, it's probably in your best interest to think of the world that way because it's true in the WCC you have, you know, you have some really good baseball teams, you don't have football teams, but you have some, you know, four or five basketball teams that, you know, can get into the tournament every year and and it's a different conversation in that conference. So um, I'll go back to, um, you know, this last hiring cycle for Dan Lanning same damn thing, like Oregon went after a native son. They offered the job to Justin Wilcox. They offered it to him twice, okay? I know that. I know that they offered it to him. He turned it down. I don't think he liked the conditions that it was offered it to him in. I don't have that directly from him, but um, I, uh, my, my uh, educated uh, you know, analysis of it is that it was offered to him, but uh, he did not like the autonomy that, that was not coming with the job. Uh, meaning I think Oregon wanted to dictate who his staff was going to be. They did not want Peter Sermon, his defensive coordinator. They did not want 
Musgraves, his offensive coordinator, they wanted to hand pick, and I, I kind of think that you might have ended up with a staff that is much the same as Dan Lanning's staff right now, with Justin Wilcox as the head coach, if he had taken the job. But he turned them down. I know that Oregon went back to him uh, the following day, the following morning, and said, are you sure? And he turned them down a second time and said, no, I, I, it's just not the right job for me. I also think if you are Justin Wilcox, you know, you watched what happened to Mark Helfrich, Coos Bay kid, and you look at Wilcox, kid from the state of Oregon, and you go, is it really a great thing to be the head football coach in the state that you grew up in, in the place that was your alma mater, in the place that, uh, you know, your father went to and your brother went to and, you know, you uh, there's a there's a lot there. Scott Frost probably has a story to tell about Nebraska. There's a lot there that can go wrong and can ruin what was a good thing. So I think in some respects, Justin Wilcox at Cal, probably a, a little different experience. But I also think he, he may have been offended by the fact that the job is offered to him and it came with, you know, some stipulations like, you know, you know, you, this is we'll give you the job, but you, we get to pick your staff. So um, in the end, like like a lot of things, it it works out for the best. Sometimes think about this. If you're an Oregon fan, Chip Kelly leaves. Mark Helfrich takes you to the national title game. Mark Helfrich gets fired. Willie Taggart comes in. Everybody's excited. Willie Taggart bolts. Everybody's disappointed. Mario Cristobal's assistant gets promoted. Everybody celebrates. Go to the Rose Bowl. You go to the Rose Bowl. You win the Rose Bowl. Cristobal leaves. Oh, no. Now comes Dan Lanning. Now, as of last weekend, everybody's going, hey, this just gets better and better and better. So sometimes I think it's the uh, the break that that comes from just life sort of, you know, winding you on a journey that you got to pay attention to. Um I, I think it's a good lesson for us all. Like, the best decisions or the best outcomes that I've had in my life have all been no-brainer decisions, right? You kind of, like, you know, you kind of just go, it's Forrest Gump-like. You just go where the path takes you. And Oregon has done that, and I think Oregon kind of looks back and goes, hey, probably great that Willie Taggart didn't stay. Probably great that Mario Cristobal didn't stay. Everybody sort of serves a purpose in the chain or the journey or, you know, what leg they run on this, this, uh, th this journey that is a lot like the hood to coast, right? You know, you're, you're trying to get to the national championship game. I think if, if someday Dan Lanning wins a national title at Oregon, we're going to look back and go, hey, look at Mario Cristobal's contributions. Look at Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich's contributions. Look at Mike Bellotti's contribution. Look at Rich Brooks and his contribution. And you see sort of the building block of the program. Sometimes it happens because it's supposed to happen that way. Up next, though, we'll talk about Gonzaga and the Pac-12. Could this happen? Would the presidents okay it? Would the basketball coaches inside the conference like it? We'll talk about it. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.